Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. For 80 years, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. You are about to listen to another Bible-based lesson with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. Starting now. Thank you, Jay, and hello, everyone. It is good having you today as we consider a wonderful text of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. We trust time will permit us to consider this wonderful passage of salvation and grace and faith. Let's get into our reading of Ephesians 2, 1 through 8. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. May the Lord always bless us with the reading, the hearing, and the application of his word. And before we look at this text in depth, our J. Webb has some social media information for us to keep up with the International Gospel Hour. Jay, We appreciate you listening today, and please take a moment to like and follow the International Gospel Hour on Facebook as well as Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at Our underscore Gospel. That's H-O-U-R underscore Gospel. This will keep you updated with our latest efforts, allow you to send a private message, or to know when the International Gospel Hour will be in your area. Follow us on social media. And now, here's Jeff. Let us consider our reading of Ephesians 2, 1-8 in two parts. We want to look at one's life prior to salvation and one's life possessing salvation. In verses 1 through 4, we see a life prior to salvation. How were they living? How were these now Christians at the church at Ephesus? How were they living? Well, we can learn overview three things. That they had lives that were dead in sin, lives disobedient in Satan, and lives that desired in themselves. Let's look at these. First of all, how beautiful is the grace of our God. God granting unto us things we don't deserve, but things we need. It's been defined as the word grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Done in an acrostic way, but so true. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. And oh, did we need God's grace. 
Let's notice, first of all, here were lives dead in sin. The separation from God has been brought about by trespasses and sins. We learn from Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, and death is a separation from God. Now, the word trespasses would be what we might call sins of commission or rebellion. An individual that would say, I'm doing wrong, I know I'm doing wrong, and I'm going to keep doing wrong. I heard an individual years before he became a Christian make the comment that he was trying to back up a point, and he said, I would bet my front seat in hell that this would happen. And I'm so glad that he took another route, dear friends, and obeyed the gospel later. But you see, that's the point of trespasses, a sin of commission. That means that we see that we're doing wrong, and we're going to do wrong, and we're going to rebel. We've made that clear choice. But also, sin here is defined, trespasses and sins, and sins defined where one misses the mark. This would include what we might call sins of omission, to where that not that we have the rebellious state, we're just failing to do what we need to do. The words cover sin in every avenue. James 4.17 reminds us, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. In 1 John 3 and verse 4, in 1 John 5 and verse 17, we understand the definition of sin as follows. 1 John 3 and verse 4 calls sin transgression of the law. And 1 John 5.17 says all unrighteousness is sin. When we put all this together, we understand that we had lives that were dead in sin, trespasses and sins, and it pretty well covers everything. But as Christ was raised from the dead through the power of God, as we note from Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, we can also be raised from the dead spiritually through the power of God, as we note from Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. When Paul writes and says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, even so we also should be raised to walk in a newness of life. Again, that's Romans 6, 3 and 4. So we see that they had lives dead in sin and lives that were disobedient in Satan. As the Scripture teaches, they walked according to the course of this world. And our lesson text of Ephesians 2, verse 2. And in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, we are taught to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. You see, when we walk according to this world, we are following Satan himself. Walking, following Satan, is defined by the scholar Zur as running true to form. In other words, we are running along with Satan. That's a horrible thought, dear friends, I know. But we can only be obedient unto God, or we're obedient unto Satan or the devil. He's called the God of this world, little g there, if you will, Second Corinthians 4 and verse 4. 
There are individuals that follow away from God and after Satan as he is their master. In Matthew 6 and verse 13, Jesus called him the evil one. John the Revelator noted that he is the deceiver in Revelation 20 and verse 10. Here were lives prior to salvation that were disobedient in Satan, following his way and not God's way. And then we noted that they had lives that they desired in themselves. In other words, in verse 3, they conducted themselves in the lust of their own flesh, fulfilling the desires of their flesh and of their mind, what they wished to do. This is akin to what we read of those in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 9, who were disobedient and living every kind of sinful life you could imagine. But we learn in verse 11 that they were washed, and they were sanctified, and they were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had changed their lives. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 3, we learn of how we live those lives following after Satan or following after ourselves and our own desires. Dear friends, this is a horrendous picture of lives prior to salvation, and many today are walking therein and may not realize it. But, dear friends, from our study today, are you there? Do you realize that? Do you have a life that is dead in sin, not for God? Is it a life that is disobedient in Satan? If we're not following God, we're going to be following after his enemy. And are you desiring things of your life, yourself, and not of God's plea? Dear friends, this is a horrible picture. It's horrendous, but... In verse 4, we see hope. We see love and we see grace. With the lives they were living in verses 1 through 3, we come to verse 4 that says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. The life prior to salvation had God appear before them, if you will. They learned of His will and His way. Here they saw he was rich in mercy, had a great love. They no longer wanted to have lives dead in sin, disobedient in Satan, or desired in self. They saw God. Dear friends, is this the life you are living? Please listen to our J-Web with an awesome online Bible study to help you make changes in your life. Jay. Dear friends, the International Gospel Hour not only offers a free Bible study course by mail, but our friends at World Bible School offer an online study if you prefer. It is absolutely free. All you do is go to worldbibleschool.org and register. You will be provided a study helper who can answer questions and provide feedback for your lessons. That is a free online study at worldbibleschool.org. Please sign up today. And now, back to Jeff. And now, let's move from a life prior to salvation in verses 1 through 4. We see that word in verse 4, But, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, now let's shift and see a life possessing in salvation. We want to notice some key things here, that we see lives that are now alive in Christ, lives that are raised with Christ, lives that are together in Christ, and lives of grace in Christ. Let's enjoy this study. First of all, we see from verse 5 that they had lives that were alive in Christ. 
For from verse 4 into verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Here is the beautiful grace of God unto their lives, that they were able to be made alive together again. In John 6 and verse 63, Jesus said that the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. When one hears the words of Christ, they are able to see that there is a better life. And then as we continue to see that they had lives raised with Christ, from verse 6, raised us up together, planted in the likeness of His death and resurrection. We note that from Romans 6 and verse 5, from the act of baptism. This is an interesting observation made by the writer Wayne Jackson when he said, Paul additionally explains that salvation occurs when one is made alive together with Christ as he is raised up with him, Ephesians 2, verses 5 and 6. The raised up action quite obviously occurs when one is resurrected from the burial in water in the act of baptism, Romans 6, 3 and 4, and Colossians 2 and verse 12. The grace through faith salvation process unquestionably includes baptism. Dear friends, don't change the dial. We're going to note this a little further shortly. But let's notice also not only lives alive in Christ, lives raised with Christ, but lives now together in Christ. Notice the latter part of Ephesians 2, verse 6, "...and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." The term heavenly places is used here along in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, 1 verse 20, 3 verse 10, and 6 and verse 12, and Colossians 3 and verse 2. A focus on the heavenly places or that which pertains to what is in heaven. The focus and the life has now changed. It's no longer a life desiring self, but a life together in Christ. And then we note that they have a life of grace in Christ. Verses 7 and 8 reminds us of that life of grace in Christ. Now let's pause here and review these four concerning lives that now possess salvation. They have lives that are alive in Christ, and the opposite was they had lives dead in sin. They have a life raised with Christ, raised up, together in Christ, where before they had a life disobedient in Satan, and then a life together in Christ, to where before it was a life that they desired themselves. We can see a total change. Now let's take a look at these lives of grace in Christ and see this change. Again, verses 7 and 8, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Earlier in verse 5 we read, by grace you have been saved. And now we read in verse 8, by grace you have been saved through faith. Dear friends, there is no contradiction. Paul is telling these Christians how they were saved. Examining the word faith from Ephesians 2, verse 8, we understand that according to Thayer in his Greek definition, his Greek testament, or rather his Greek lexicon, I should say, 
He acknowledges this word, faith, is not a mere acknowledgement of historical facts, nor even the disposition to trust, though it embraces both of these. But get this, faith also involves a response to whatever conditions may be divinely imposed. Now think on that for a moment. Faith also involves a response to whatever conditions may be divinely imposed. Dear friends, we note that from the beautiful faith chapter in Hebrews verse or Hebrews chapter 11. We respond by faith to the grace of God, the grace that among other things teaches us what to do. Consider Titus 2:11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Examining this passage of Titus 2, 11 through 14, By faith we respond to His grace that teaches us what to deny, in verse 12, how to live, in verse 12, to look for hope and the return of Christ, in verse 13, and to be redeemed for Himself as special people, verse 14, who are now zealous of good works. And all of this instructed by His grace that we may believe, And biblical belief responds in obedience to God. Again, it responds to whatever conditions may be divinely imposed. God's grace is a teaching grace. Thus, we learn more about God's grace through Christ, as we note in John 1.17 that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The context of Ephesians 2 and Titus 2 is not teaching grace alone, It's not teaching faith alone, but saved by grace through faith, as faith is divine. An obedient faith, or a response to conditions, divinely imposed. Let's ask a little more specifically, how were these Ephesians saved by grace through faith? Well, we know that they heard the gospel, for in Ephesians 1.13, they had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Salvation of the gospel, salvation that the grace of God brought unto man, Titus 2, verse 11. But, dear friends, they did not hear only. What they heard, the word of truth, the gospel, was not enough just to hear it. Hearing only is not sufficient. We learn this as children singing of the wise man who built his house upon the rock, the teaching of Christ in Matthew seven twenty four through 27 Of whom was Jesus pleased? the one that would hear his sayings and do them. And we're taught in James 1.22 to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. We note that after hearing, they believed in Christ. For Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom also having believed. Believed what? What they had heard. The gospel of salvation that the grace of God brought unto man. But dear friends, they did not believe only. Let's pause here, friends. If faith alone or faith only saved, would you please consider John 12, 42 and 43? Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, 
lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Dear friends, these passages clearly show that their faith alone was not pleasing unto God. If faith alone or faith only saved, please consider James 2 verse 19. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Nobody would affirm demons are saved, and their faith only will not save them. You know, friends, there is one text that has the phrase, faith only, together, and it's James 2.24. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now, so far, we have the Ephesians hearing and believing. But we also note they repented of their sins. This Paul affirmed to the elders from the Ephesus church in Acts 20, 17-21. Please hear Acts 20, 20 and 21. Unto them he said, How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. This was proclaimed because Christ commanded this to be preached in Luke 24:47, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And Peter in Acts 2:38 said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what do we have so far? How were these Ephesians saved by grace through faith? Well, they heard the gospel, they believed it, and they repented. And then, dear friends, we note that they were baptized into Christ. Listen to Acts 19, 1-5. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Dear friends, let's note some things of their baptism. Their baptism was for forgiveness of sins. We know this from Acts 2, 37 and 38. Here is a side note, but we believe a supportive note here. Think with me of the phrase from Acts 2, 38, for the remission of sins. In Matthew 26, 28, Jesus took the cup and said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. When would sins be remitted? The Scripture says when Christ shed His blood. It's the same phrase for the remission of sins in Acts 2.38. When one is baptized, sins are then remitted. This is affirmed in other passages. Their baptism washed their sins away in Acts 22 and verse 16, just like it did Paul. Their baptism was necessary to be saved, as we note in Mark 16 and verse 16. Not their baptism alone, but their faith, their repentance. Their baptism was necessary to put on Christ. This is affirmed in Galatians 3.27 and Romans 6.3-6. 6, 
Their baptism was not a Holy Spirit baptism, for after their baptism, Paul laid his hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit in Acts 19, verse 6. Their baptism was not a work of man, and dear friends, the Scriptures never affirm baptism as a work of man, but it does affirm it as a command of God, and if you will, a work of God. Please consider Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12. In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. How was this done? Verse 12 answers, Buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. Dear friends, here they had lives possessing salvation by God's grace through faith, grace that teaches us what to believe so that one will deny his life, that would be repentance, and live anew, and he's able to do so through baptism. Dear friends, we know this study can go very much in-depth, but it's very easy to understand and to grasp that one is saved by grace through faith, and that not of himself, it is the gift of God. And God's grace is that teaching grace, again, Titus 2.11-14. through 14. It teaches us what to deny, and it teaches us how to live. God's grace instructs us how to believe, how to repent, even how to confess Christ as the Son of God, and how to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, and how to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, or to live faithfully. Dear friends, obedience to the will of God does not nullify God's grace. It is because of God's grace we see His plan and the possibility of our obedience unto Him if we will but obey His will. Dear friends, we hope this study today has answered questions. It may have created questions. We'd love to continue to help you in your studies as we look at these things together in light of God's Word here on the International Gospel Hour. With that said, let's continue our studies together, shall we? I'm Jeff Archie. Thank you for joining me today. And dear friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. God, we read.